0: Hello, and welcome to the Proskauer Benefits Brief. I'm Katrina McCann, an attorney in Proskauer's Employee Benefits and Executive Compensation Group. On today's episode, I'm joined by Paul Hamburger, co-chair of our group. This is the conclusion of our 10-part podcast series, where we're exploring the basic COBRA rules applicable to group health plans. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the key COBRA penalties for noncompliance. Paul, if listeners have made it to the end of this 10-part series, they probably want to know, what happens if I get it wrong? What if I make a mistake? And this is a very typical question we get when COBRA problems arise. What are the types of penalties that employers and plan administrators are exposed to?
1: Thanks, Katrina. You're right. This is a very, very typical question. And there are several different penalties for COBRA violations. For example, There's the cost involved in correcting the COBRA error and putting the qualified beneficiary back in the position that would have applied had the error not occurred. On top of that, there could be exposure to more general damages for breach of fiduciary duties or benefit claims. This could also result in the payment of attorney's fees if there is litigation over the benefit plan and its terms. However, when we speak of COBRA penalties, we're typically referring to two different penalties. On the one hand, there's an ERISA penalty of up to $110 per day for each day a plan administrator fails to provide certain COBRA notices. And second, there is a COBRA excise tax of $100 a day for what is defined as a period of non-compliance.
0: Okay, so let's take those one at a time. When does the ERISA Notice Penalty apply for a COBRA violation?
1: The ERISA Notice Penalty only applies if a plan administrator fails to provide certain specific notices, like the COBRA General Notice at the onset of coverage, or the COBRA Qualifying Event Notice. Even then, the penalty isn't self-enforcing. Only a judge in a litigated COBRA notice case can impose the penalty. Now, judges do frequently impose these penalties, and judges have discretion, not only as to whether to impose the penalty, but also as to the amount. Courts regularly impose a penalty of less than $110 a day. When they do that, judges tend to weigh a number of factors in deciding whether to impose the penalty, including the extent of a plan administrator's good faith actions, and evidence about the actual harm that was involved in the case. Again, the important thing to note is that the penalty is not enforced outside of actual litigation.
0: While this might provide some level of reassurance for listeners, let's talk about the COBRA excise tax. While this might be applicable in similar situations to the ERISA notice penalty, there are a number of key differences.
1: You're absolutely right. There are a number of important differences between these two penalties. Perhaps the most important difference is that the excise tax penalty is self-enforcing, meaning that the parties responsible for the payment of this tax have to consider in real time, as it were, whether to report the tax to the IRS or not. Sometimes people might even file the IRS tax form even if they think no tax is owed. So it's important to understand how the excise tax works. Now, since 1988, the tax penalty for COBRA violations has been a tailored excise tax penalty. The purpose is to balance the need for deterrence against noncompliance, on the one hand, with the need to provide relief from severe penalties in cases where the violations involved were not really that significant. So, the excise tax sanctions are intentionally designed to include opportunities to otherwise limit or mitigate your exposure to the penalty by demonstrating that you acted reasonably under the circumstances. Generally, the COBRA excise tax is $100 a day for each qualified beneficiary who is harmed by the violation during what's called a non-compliance period. The period begins on the day of the COBRA violation and ends on the earlier of the date correction occurs or the date that is six months after the maximum COBRA coverage period without regard to whether a premium was paid for that period. Now correction occurs when someone who has been harmed is put in the financial position that is as good as it would have been had the violation not occurred. For these purposes, it's assumed the qualified beneficiary would have elected to receive the maximum amount of benefits permissible under the group health plan. Now there's no published guidance on how to evaluate correction in every specific situation, and given the wide variety of potential violations and what it means to have it be retroactively undone, it really does take a fair amount of thought and care in evaluating how to do a proper correction.
0: Okay, so the the rule is generally a hundred dollars a day per qualified beneficiary who is harmed during the period of non-compliance. Is there any way that this amount is mitigated or reduced?
1: Yes, Katrina, there are a number of steps that can be taken to try to mitigate or in some cases eliminate the application of the COBRA excise tax. The first way to try to mitigate it is what's known as the inadvertent failure rule. According to the statute, there's no excise tax owed during any period when no one who could be liable for the tax knew or exercising reasonable diligence would have known of the violation. So it's possible that no excise tax would apply if no one who could be liable for the tax knew or exercising reasonable diligence would have known of the violation for the entire non-compliance period. The second rule is what's known as the 30-day correction period. If a COBRA violation is due to reasonable cause and not to willful neglect, and the violation is corrected within 30 days after the date anyone who could have been liable for the tax knew or exercising reasonable diligence would have known of the violation, no excise tax is owed. Again, as we said before, the standard for what it means to correct a particular violation is not entirely clear, but if it is corrected within the 30 days, no excise tax is owed. The third rule to bear in mind is that the IRS can, and in fact does, waive the excise tax in appropriate circumstances. The IRS exercises that authority based on an evaluation of the seriousness of the violation, in other words, how much harm did it actually cause. In evaluating whether to waive the tax, the IRS looks at a number of factors. On the one hand, the IRS will look at the harm caused by the violation. How much harm did it impose on affected individuals? On the other hand, the IRS will also waive the extent to which the employer or plan administrator otherwise has a compliant COBRA administrative system. Was there training? Were the systems otherwise designed to ensure compliance? Taking all of those factors into account, the IRS has the authority to mitigate the sanction so that a party liable for the tax isn't really responsible for paying more than is appropriate under the circumstances.
0: Can both penalties apply, the ERISA notice penalty and the COBRA excise tax?
1: Yes, absolutely. These penalties are not mutually exclusive and you do not get a credit for paying one penalty against the imposition of the other. They're just two different penalty regimes.
0: Now that we've talked about the fact that the COBRA excise tax is self-enforcing, unlike the ERISA penalty for notice violations, let's talk about how someone goes about actually paying that excise tax.
1: The IRS has a form, a form 8928, that can be used to pay the excise tax. Before paying the tax, though, you really need to look at that form very closely. First, the tax could be imposed on an employer, but it might also be imposed on a plans insurer or service provider. In the multi-employer plan context, it might be imposed on the plan itself. So the first thing to consider is who actually owes the tax and has to fill out the form. Another interesting question is whether to file the form even if you think you don't owe the tax. For example, suppose you caught and fixed a violation within 30 days so that no excise tax is owed. Should you file the form? Some take the view that filing is a good idea because it can start the running of the IRS statute of limitations. Others take the view that filing a form when no tax is owed is just not necessary. So it's important to talk to counsel in these situations. Finally, the Form 8928 can be very tricky. There are a number of important decisions that have to be made before filling it out. So it is important to make sure that you talk with counsel before just completing the form and paying the tax.
0: Thank you, Paul, for that helpful summary of the COBRA penalty provisions. Clearly, there's a lot to think about when addressing issues around COBRA non-compliance. although hopefully this 10-part series helps listeners avoid these situations. Thank you to those who joined us today for this Employee Benefits Podcast, and special thanks to those of you who followed along with us for this full 10-part series. Please join us for future presentations on our Proskauer Benefits Brief Podcast Series, and keep an eye out for more Employee Benefits and Executive Compensation insights on our Proskauer ERISA Practice Center blog. Also, be sure to follow us on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify.